0: Come on. Now, the last fish fry that I went to, I, I probably shared this a little bit of this story, uh, was was someone's family reunion, and I didn't know who they were. Um, this was over in New Albany, Mississippi. That's right, I just showed up. Uh, I, we were doing some work at the camp. Uh, that was our man camp weekend, and we were going over there. We were making preparations, and John Lancaster, the minister at Huntsville Christian Church, he and I rode together, and he was like, hey, I've been invited to the Barclay Family Reunion fish fry. And I need you to take me. And I'm like, Wait, oh, no, we gotta get back. And he said, No, it's not gonna take long. We're just gonna, you know, we're just gonna swing over to New Albany and we're gonna stop in, we'll eat a couple pieces of fish, I'll say hello to some people and, and then we'll leave. Well, where's New Albany? And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, So do you even know where this place is? And he goes, Well, it's out in the country. Well, it's northern Mississippi. Everything is out in the country. I mean, northern Mississippi is out in the country. And and so he he somehow got invited to this thing through somebody that he knew, and somebody that used to go to church. And so I ended up being his plus one to this family reunion fish fish fry. Right? They're like, yeah, sure, bring your wife. And here I am. You know? And it's like, hey, you're Mitzi? I said, okay, we're not asking any questions. But here's the deal. Wayne Barkley, the patriarch of the family, Said, "Your family tonight," and they treated us like family. They didn't let us go first. Now they didn't treat us that that well like family. But but they let us eat fish. They let us eat their food. We we sat there. We celebrated. I got another story that I can tell you about eating some chest pie that somebody ruined by putting coconut in it. Don't ever do that, people. And uh, the awkward moment that that was that the person who baked the pie was sitting right there and not despised coconut and. That was a whole thing. Probably won't be getting back to any invites to the to the family because of that. So, family, you come tonight. We're gonna treat you like family. Bring a friend. We'll treat them like family. We're gonna have a great time just hanging out, fellowshipping. Will there be more than just fish tonight? Yes. Hush puppies, okay, and French fries. It's gonna be a fried extravaganza. Uh, there is some coleslaw that Jackie's made, and everybody loves her coleslaw. So there's that too, um, and and some other stuff that I'll share. J- James caught some fish the other day that we're going to eat today, Okay. So speaking of family, Jesus was inside a house one time. He's actually inside houses lots of times, but there's one particular time he's in a house and he's got a small crowd <coughs> right there. And he's teaching to this small crowd, and somebody interrupts him. You know, kind of a knock on the door or whatever master teacher they say um your mother and your brothers are outside right and 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 so for us like it's it's like i mean if, if if i'm doing something in my home and my mom and my dad show up and they're like knocking on the door and they say oh michael uh your mom and dad are here well let them in bring bring them on inside but that's not what jesus did Jesus took this moment to make a point. Now, we don't really know what he was teaching, but we still learn something from him because this is what he said. Who is my mother? Well, she's right outside. Her name's Mary, you know, rode a donkey, you know, the whole thing. Yeah, we, we, who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples. because They're in the room. He says, look, these are my mother and my brothers. And, and Matthew 12, verse 50 records it as this Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven, that's my brother, that's my sister, that's my mom. Those who live out the will. In Jesus' name. That we, we identify as family. And I'm not sure if you picked up. I know it's been a few weeks since i preached. But I'm not sure if you picked up in the sermons before that, that, that the, the past few sermons, I've been asking the question, do you, church, do you personally really believe that Jesus or God the Father in heaven knows what is best for your life? Do, do you really believe that? Because here's the thing, a lack of trust and belief in what Jesus taught and how he lived will keep us from doing the will of God the Father. Let me say that again. A lack of trust, a lack of belief in what Jesus taught and how he lived, that will keep us from doing the will of God the Father. So we've all been in the moment, somewhere in life, where you just had to trust someone, even though it might not have been natural. Maybe it was a doctor. Maybe you were going through something uh, with, with, as it pertains to your health, and you didn't understand, and you didn't grasp everything, and you just you had to make a decision based on the information that was given to you. Somewhere in life, you have had to just trust someone, even when it wasn't natural. And so I, I told you, uh, James and I went and did, did some offshore fishing this past week. Friday as a matter of fact you were all invited to go you missed out trust me um, it was a great trip caught a lot of fish now when you're booking online and you yeah somebody's car alarms going off um, when you <laughs> when, when you're booking online you, you read the descriptions and so you read that hey this is a 25-foot center console boat. It's got a 300-horsepower engine. It's even got a bathroom, all right? There's plenty of room for five people. Now, that's all relative to how big people are and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you read that, and you're like, hey, this sounds pretty good. But uh, that, this is okay. I mean, we're, we're not going way offshore. We're going to be out about 10 miles. And, 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 and so that sounds pretty good. Keyword being on plenty of room and bathroom. Right? The rest of it, we can work around. But when you show up to the marina and you see the boat, <coughs> I didn't see a bathroom. I never saw the bathroom. He swears it was there. Now, there was a Yeti bucket hanging off the backside of it, but I'm beginning to think that might have been what he was talking about. And the rest of us just turn our backs if, the case, you know, if it comes to it. But there was a bathroom and now here's the other thing when we showed up to this marina and we saw his boat uh, there, were, uh, there were a lot of boats in the marina that were a lot bigger than this guy's and we're like okay does it take to get on that boat over there are, are we sure that this boat is big enough to get us out in those waves 10 miles offshore like this is a boat that if you saw it on the tennessee river it wouldn't be out of place okay and we're going to go out in the ocean in this thing we're, we're going to go 10 miles offshore. We're going to go 20 miles away from where we currently are in this thing. Are you are, you're sure about this? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, do it. I got another trip booked. And so there was a moment where the four of us had never done any deep sea fishing or offshore fishing before. Individually, we had to ask ourselves are we really doing this? So we had to trust Captain Thomas. All right? we, we had to trust that this was uh, going to be a good thing and that he was going to take care of us. And so there was a moment where we're standing on the dock and we had to step off the dock, off of land, off of safety, onto this boat, and we had to trust that this man knew what he was doing. Now, I can tell you this. We did not base that decision... Just because the boat looked the way the boat looked, and we did not base that decision based on just the way Captain Tommy looked, because I'm telling you right now, you look at him, you're like, I don't know if that's the fisherman I trust, but I'm telling you, that's probably the fisherman you want, right? We based this decision on the fact that he's got a five star rating on FishingBooker.com. He doesn't have any complaints, and 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 he might have. Skewed, or he might have said some things in the description of of, of you know it, it, ministers do this every single Sunday. We kind of <laughs> embellish a little bit, and we kind of you know we gotta build up you know really and truly what what the reality is. He might have done that with his boat and the experience, and and we're coming back in, and he's like, hey, well, you know, fishing was you know, fishing wasn't the greatest today. We caught fish. We caught twenty over twenty fish. Um, we'll share some of those with you. Two of them. <laughs> that we were actually able to keep, um, um, we'll share those with you tonight, and uh, we'll have a great time with that, but, uh, uh, <laughs> I forgot where I was going, I was just completely derailed with that, <laughs> right? Trust. Trust. There's this moment, thank you. There, there, there is this moment of trust based on what other people said and the experiences and the reviews of Captain Tom. Do you, church, really believe that Jesus, or God, knows what is best for your life? And are you willing to make any changes in your life that might interfere with doing the will of God? If I can summarize that, the will of God is what we've been talking about this entire year. It is us becoming like Jesus. Obviously, he wants us to, to accept Jesus into our heart. God wants us to spend eternity with him in heaven. He sent his son to be that sacrifice for us. But he wants you to accept him not as Savior only, but Lord and Savior, where you surrender your life. And our lives on this earth, then, are all about one thing, and that is us becoming like Jesus as we live and love one another in relationship that's the will of the father so are we willing to make any changes necessary that interfered with that and in this home where Jesus is teaching he lays it out if anyone who does the will of my father in heaven and we're family and what he's saying is we're gonna share an inheritance (coughs) If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 13. That's where we're going to be the rest of the day. We're going to look at certain verses in this chapter. So be prepared to follow along. Just keep your your thumbs there. Keep your fingers there. Uh, The first 23 verses of this chapter are broken down into four sections. All right. The first section is kind of an introduction that Matthew gives us. He sets the scene as to what is about to happen. The second section is part one. Of a story that Jesus tells it's a familiar story to most of us it's about a farmer who had some seeds and he went out to sow the seeds the third section Jesus goes away from the story and he answers a question asked by the disciples and this is where we're going to mostly be in this third section and in the fourth section uh, is the explanation to the crowd about what the story about the seed and the farmer and the soil what all that means And so here's the cool thing about this story. It happens later on the same day that Jesus was in the house where he was asked and told, Hey, your mom and brothers are outside. Later that day, Jesus decides that he's going to leave the house and he's going to go down to the lake. And a crowd follows him. This is the first part of Matthew chapter 13. So he gets in a boat because the crowd is there. And he he sat there in the boat, and he taught them as they stood on the shore. Now, Jewish custom is that the teacher sits while the audience stands and listens. So Jesus is sitting in the boat, the crowd is on the shore, and he is teaching. He tells them a story. Right? It's a story about sowing seeds. Let's pick it up. In verse 3, he told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Or eight. still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as been planted. Then, verse 9. Anyone with ears should listen and understand. As I was studying this, this was very intriguing to me, that Jesus didn't just roll right into the explanation. He got to this point in the story and, and he, he gives this command to the crowd. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. If you have ears, will you just raise a hand this morning? Uh huh. Yeah, right? Some of y'all clearly aren't using your ears because you didn't raise your hand. But we all have ears and Jesus knows that. And he's making this very emphatic point. That if you are within earshot of my voice, you should stop what you're doing, you should listen, and you should understand. And church, I'm here to tell you, Jesus is talking to you right now. This wasn't just a, oh, if you had ears on the seashore at that point in time, you have to listen and understand. Jesus is talking to you right now. What he's saying is that you shouldn't just hear his teaching. But you should listen to what he is saying. You should understand the instruction and live it out. Every parent in the room knows exactly what Jesus is saying here because we have similar conversations with our kids. I had a story that I shared with our life group the other day with Stella. Parents were in town. Man and I were going out. She was gonna go out with the grandparents. She hates someone tell this. I understand. She was tired, laying in bed. Stella, you need to get up. Start getting ready. And this is, these are her words. I'm hungry. I want to eat. All the more reason for you to get up because grandparents are going to take you out to eat. I go about my business. I start getting ready. I come back. Stella's still laying in bed. Hey, Stella, you, you really need to get up. I'm tired. But just a minute ago, you were hungry. I get you're tired because you're in the bed, but you also need to eat. Go eat, then you can come back and go to sleep. I come back, I do some things, I come back, she's still laying there. Stella, all right, li- li- listen to me. Okay? You must get out of bed right now. Like, like, like that's what I've been saying to you. I've, maybe before I wasn't as direct as you needed to hear I'm not sure but you now have to get out of bed do you understand what I'm saying yes sir mumbled in there parents parents we understand Stella heard me every single time I spoke to her but clearly she did not listen and understand, because if she did, she would have heard what I said, and then she would have been obedient, she would have lived out what I was asking her to do that's exactly what Jesus is saying here, and so Jesus is talking to you right now, church, listen and understand that don't listen to Michael okay Michael's not the teacher, the Holy Spirit is the teacher, and so the Holy Spirit, whatever the Holy Spirit is asking you. You need to walk this out and live this out in your life. That's what Jesus is saying to the disciples. Then they asked this question. Verse 10. His disciples came and asked him. So did Jesus sit sitting there. There's the crowd. He's sitting there. Anyone who has ears, let them hear. And I'm thinking, okay. Jesus. Why do you use parables when you talk to the people? Now, here's the interesting thing about this particular parable. It's the first one recorded in Matthew. Okay. Now, there's other illustrations used to make teaching points in Matthew, but this is the first parable in the book of Matthew. Why do you use parables when you talk to the people? Well, let's camp out here, starting in verse 11. This is Jesus' answer. You, disciples, are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. Now, let me just come here. Come on, we've all been there. We 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 have been the person. I know something you don't know. like, like we we know that we've he have been the person that knows a secret, and it's, and it's pretty cool, right? Like you feel special. You feel privileged when you have the information that somebody else doesn't have. And what Jesus is saying to these guys is you've been invited into a relationship with me and as a follower of mine, so you're going to have a better understanding about the kingdom of heaven than the rest of the people who don't have the same opportunity as you. That's why they have the secrets to the kingdom of heaven. They're following Jesus to become like Jesus. They're with him daily. And so since they're with him daily, since they're on this journey because a disciple follows the rabbi to become like the rabbi, they have privileged information that other people who aren't following don't have. You know things they don't know because of the time you spend with me that they don't know because of their lack of time with me. Does that make sense? Do you understand why they have secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others don't? It's because of their dedicated time with him. Now, here's the cool thing for you and I. We have access to the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Huh? How about that? Because you are here today, you, you have also accepted the invite into a relationship with Jesus, and you are a dedicated follower who trusts Jesus with how to live out your life as he would live your life. You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. How about that? You have this information. Are you questioning that, I've questioned it. I I don't feel like I know any deep secrets that others don't know about. Look at verse 12. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. They will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Church, it's as simple as living out what we already know. More understanding will be given to us. Like, like, like let that thought sink in. It's as simple as living out what we already know. More understanding will be given to us. The word listen in this chapter in it uh, or in this verse is the greek word "echo." okay be careful with that one now aho it, it's our word echo e-c-h-o that's what it is yeah let me tell you when i heard when i hear when i listen to it i'm like okay let me make sure we get this one correct it's where we get our word echo it's a verb used in the present tense Which means when I read this right now, it requires action in this moment. Listen, he says. And when we listen, when we actually do, more understanding will be given to us. And there's a few different types of American Christians, I want to say. and Of course, this spills over into the rest of the world with the influence that, that we've had with our mission partners. Okay, There are people that just crave knowledge. Good people who do the right thing most of the time and they crave biblical wisdom. But there's a shortage of actually living out everything that they know. And, and then you have those who, man, they, they may not have all the understanding in the world, but they are willing to live out the things that they know, even if it costs them their life, the disciples. It's very clear based on, you track along with those guys, they did not have all the understanding in the world to the point they had to interrupt Jesus in this one. Why are you using parables now? You've never used parables. They didn't have all the understanding. They were not the sharpest people in the world. They were not Old Testament scholars. As a matter of fact, they failed and dropped out of school. Okay? You follow along with Jewish custom, they didn't make the cut. And these are the people that were willing to live out the very things that they did know and it cost them their lives. But you and I are here today because of that. So that's what Jesus is saying. As you live out the things you already know, if you don't gain anything else, but you live it out, more understanding will be given to you. You lose what you don't use. Now, Past week, I started a mini-construction project at my house. I'm I'm not in the construction industry. I've dabbled with it before. I've helped with projects. I've helped with things. But I'm not the guy, the first guy you want to call to to help me build this whatever. Okay, I'm the guy you want to call that says, hey, get me a hammer. I know what a hammer is. I'm the gopher guy. Right, like that's the guy. But I've, I've I've started this construction project, and it's a relatively simple project for, for most of you able, willing people. Um, but I feel confident with it because I kind of had an overseer; there helping me, um, and and I have some experience. It's not like it's the first time I've operated a you know a, a miter saw. It's not the first time I can read a, a tape measure. I, I I know you know I know where four sixteenths is on on the on the tape measure. Some of y'all get that. Um, I, <laughs> right? 4.16, that's impressive. it's a quarter. All right? I mean, I, I know basic <laughs> stuff like that. So I entered into this this project, and, and I'm the guy that I have to, like, think through. Like, what's the first thing? You take guys like Ed and Jeff, and they just get out there and they're like, oh, we're going to build this thing. Well, here's where you start. You do this first, you do this next, you do this. And, and okay, if it's not plumb, you do this. If it's not square, you do this. If it's not level, you do this. Right? I mean, he, he, they, they, they've got the experience because they've done it so many times. That's not the case with me. Right? Like, I've got, to, I've got to think through. I mean, I've done these things in the past, but I've not done them enough that it's just natural to me. It's the same principle. It's the same principle. If I simply live out what I know about the Bible and I continue to read it, more understanding will be given to me. I mean, you all know. You all know that you are to love your neighbor as you do yourself. Or or better yet, I'll take you one step further. You all know because you've heard it That you are to love one another as jesus loves you you all know it but are you living that truth out in every single situation in your life why would god give us any more understanding if we can't take elementary truths And be obedient in those things. Why why do we ever expect there to be a maturation of of our faith, a growing of our faith, man, if we can't live out this very simple truth that we already know? Jump down to verse 19. Jesus, we're going to wrap this up. This is the explanation of the story. You don't know the seed in the story is the word of God. Okay? It's the Bible. It's the Bible that you hold in your hands. Whether it's on your phone, whether it's fake leather, whether it's genuine leather, whatever. That is, Is the Word of God. That is the seed. The soil, it's your heart. The parable applies to your life every single time you hear the Word of God. This this isn't a, I fall in one of these four categories you know, once or twice in my life. No, no, no. Every time you open or every time you hear the word of God spoken or read to you or you take it in yourselves, you're one of these four soils. We we, we have this understanding of this that I think is completely wrong or it's incomplete. I'll say it that way. We, we like to use this. We'll, we'll use this We'll use this text in our evangelism training in a couple of weeks. And we we like to equate this to us sharing the gospel with people, which is a small part of what this is about. The reality is, this applies to your life every time you read the Bible. Your heart is in one of these four places. So look at verse 18 and 19. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. Verse 19, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and they don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. Hey, look here. I'll be the first to tell you. I've read the Bible many times and I didn't understand it. Now, I, I'm taking a class right now on the Old Testament minor prophets. I, I don't understand. Everything in the book of Haggai or Malachi. Okay, I I don't understand everything that I read. I'll tell you what, these guys all seem to hold a grudge towards people and they all seem very judgmental. Even Haggai, who is very encouraging, still seems judgmental. I don't understand Scripture every time I open it up and I read it. How about you? If you do, I'd love to have a conversation with you. But what am I doing next? Am I just accepting, well, that's over my head, I don't understand, and I'm just going to move on? Or am I doing due diligence to find out the meaning? Am I praying, Lord, teach me and reveal to me what this text says? Teach me and reveal to me what your word says. Am I doing my part to understand Scripture? Or am I just moving on? I'm like, well, that one's above me. I'll just move on until somebody explains it, until I read a book or a commentary or something down the road. Or are we doing our due diligence? When Psalm 14 says, the victory come from Zion you know what that means Are we just reading it and moving on and it doesn't mean anything to us are we trying to figure out what God's Word says to our lives so that we can live out how to become like Jesus or do we just move on without pursuing any understanding because here's the thing that takes time that takes commitment that takes sacrifice And Jesus is clear what happens when we don't seek understanding. The evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in your hearts. Is your heart that type of soil? Or or is it the seed on verse 20, on the rocky soil? Represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, <coughs> they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are, or are persecuted for believing God's word. This happens too. This happens to me. We read something and, and it spurs us on. There's, there's some motivation to uh, move forward. It may be a truth that that speaks to a moment in my life at the right time that is encouraging to me. There's no real conviction. Because we, we read with our emotions so much. And then there's no real conviction. And as soon as the moment passes, as soon as there's another situation that's distracting, we move on from that truth. I've shared my story about finances hundreds of times. I knew what the Bible ever said about money and how to give to the Lord and how I was supposed to to live my life when it came to my finances. But I ignored that teaching for years and years and years because there was never any real conviction. Well church, here's the thing. The conviction comes sometimes when God's like, okay, I've been subtly giving you this hint and this instruction, and you're just too stiff necked or hard headed, stubborn to actually pick it up and do something with it. And, then, and so now the pressure has to be put on there so that you're actually convicted over something. Is this you sometimes? It's me sometimes. They don't have a deep root. That's the conviction. They don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's Word. Are you the next one? The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's Word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. I can't tell you how many times I've confessed this before too. How many times i sat there doing my soap and I start thinking about something I've got going on later on that day. I think I shared this with you just a couple of weeks ago, how I'm sitting there doing my soap. I've got my journal out. I'm doing the thing I'm supposed to be doing. Something in my mind triggers and I actually leave that for something else. What do you think that word did that day? Didn't produce any fruit. Hopefully, this is my fear, hopefully this isn't happening right now. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully you're not sitting there worried about, well man, if he wraps up in the next five minutes, we can still beat most of the church's tomb wherever for lunch. Hopefully you're not worried about other things. But it's a reality. That's a soil that represents our heart sometimes. And no fruit is produced. But then there's the last one the seed, and pay attention to this the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. It's people who truly hear. They listen. They understand. And they live it out. And there's fruit in their life. 30, 60, or even 100 times. Please tell me a time that you were obedient to the Word of God, that it cost you. That that, that it was not worth it. The reality is, Every single time that we are obedient to the Word of God, it works to our favor. Now, I'm not talking about in a materialistic, earthly manner, but every single situation where we are obedient, there is fruit. The parable applies to your life every single time you hear the Word of God. So, when you did your soap this past week, (coughs) what soil did it fall on? And here's the crazy thing, church, about God and His economy and how He works. You determine the soil by your willingness to live out what you already know. You determine the soil. That that is your part in in this relationship that we have. And so when your obedience is done in, in small things, it leads to healthier soil that leads to greater understanding and so if I know right now oh it's 11 43 Michael's got another two minutes we're about to get into communion let's see it's gonna be 12 o'clock for most of y'all roll out of here sorry if I know that I'm supposed to be patient and kind to the person to the people in front of me at the lunch line wherever that is and you're standing there in line and you've got like a 10 minute wait and you've been there I've been there hopefully you're not the person that I'm about to talk about but you stand there for 10 minutes and it's your time to order and you're behind this person and they get to the counter and they don't know what they want what have you been doing for the last 10 minutes how can you not know what you want like we're in line to order a burger how do you want your burger it's not that big a deal how come this isn't already thought out in that moment, it might be extremely frustrating to you because well, the preacher was long-winded today, and I didn't get here in time, and I got a busy afternoon, and I got to get my nap in before fish fry and all that kind of stuff. I got all this stuff I got to do, and so now I'm late getting to lunch, and now this person, and so you're already you're, you're tense, and you don't treat that person with patience and kindness. You really think the guy's going to give you more understanding? We determine the soil based on our willingness to live out the things that we already know. I can take the very simple, elementary truths that I know, and as I live them out, God's going to give me more understanding. And I appreciate it. So what's our response? Go ahead and get these out. And I'll remind you to open the bread... First. First Peter chapter one twenty two is going to come up on the screen. Peter writes this letter. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed. We've been forgiven. And it doesn't matter what we do in this life. All we have to do is repent of what we know to be wrong. And we come before the Lord and we ask for forgiveness. And the forgiveness is granted, it's there. <clears throat> but Peter writes this you, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love. To each other, as brothers and sisters, love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again. And because we have been born again, we gather every single week, and we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. That's what we are doing right here, because we have been born again. But not to a life that will quickly end. Ooh, wait a minute. Your new life will last forever. How does that line sit with you? Your new life will last forever. Because see, people, the understanding is that when I surrender my life to Jesus, I've already entered into eternity. Part of that life is going to be the days that I live here on earth, and then after that, it's what I spend with him in heaven. When when I am living in obedience and I'm living a surrendered life to the Lord, and I've asked him to be my Lord and my Savior, I am now living in eternity. Okay, And your new life will last forever. And, And so it makes sense then that we start living the way God wants us to live and that is becoming like Jesus in this life right now. And he goes on to say, because it comes from the eternal living word of God. That is what shapes our life. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news. Our obedience to the things we already know is a life changing event that can happen right now. Our understanding increases as our obedience in what we already know is lived out. And so here's our response. I'm asking that as you take communion, and today we're going to let you take it at your pace want you to just sit there and you meditate. I'll pray over it in just a second. But as you remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, commit to this day that you are going to start living out the things you already know. You are going to love your neighbor as you do yourself. You are going to love others as Jesus loves you. You are going to treat one another with respect. You're going to value other people. You may disagree with them on lots of different levels. And they might even be Alabama fans. You're still going to love them. Make that commitment. You take this commitment. Father God, we love you and we thank you for this day we thank you for your word. God, it is... uh, It's hard sometimes to hear the truth and God I know there's a in my own life but there's a lot of my, a lot of things I know that I don't live out to the best of my ability and so God I, I make this commitment that I, I strive to live out the things that I know <clears throat> Knowing that I'm going to have more understanding. And knowing that this is a journey of me becoming like you. Lord, help me to do that. Let me be reminded of that. Father, thank you for your son and the love that you have for us that you were willing to. Send him to be a sacrifice. Thank you for the forgiveness of my sins. Thank you for the opportunity that I have right now to start new with you moving forward. Help us to do your will in our lives.